Steve, you and I have met not too long ago, maybe two years ago. Yep. And you reached out to me, not because we're in freight together. You're a pilot. <laughs> That's right. And a lover of airplanes, and we have that in common. And since then, we have had the opportunity to take a couple of flights together. Then uh, You've been remarkably um, gracious with uh, your time, talking about airplanes, and it's just been, it's been a delight to get to know you. Yeah, likewise. You know, it's fun to talk with someone like-minded, if you will, and, uh, you know, with some of the same interests and uh, passions that I share, and uh, uh, excited to talk today a little bit about MercuryGate. The, um, when I think about your journey as a founder of MercuryGate, and, and, you know, if we sort of look, it's always easy. It's interesting. I get the opportunity to talk to early-stage founders, many of which are in this room when they're starting out, and I get the opportunity to talk to very established businesses that have gone through many decades of success. And it's always interesting because I have a pers- you have perspective. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to s- to understand the journey of Mercury Gate now because we can appreciate what it means to this industry and how successful it is. It's hard to know what those early days were like because we're getting a snapshot of the story at the end. I'd love to start your journey. You established this en- enormously important business to our industry. Take us through some of the first couple of years of what that journey was like. Well, we started in 2000, so 23 years ago. Um, you know, we were a software company, so when you start as a software company, you don't really have much to sell right at the beginning, right? So we're about a year into it, and uh, 9-11 comes along, right? Well, two days after 9-11, we signed one of our biggest deals of our young history, uh, that really kept us going. If it hadn't happened, right, who knows where we would have gone. I mean, I know you've been there with trying to make payroll and you know, trying to make things work, try to get things to close, right? And it's a challenge, right? And you learn so much about your employees, your partners, and all the folks that you're you're beholding to about, you know, what it's like to go through this as a as an entrepreneur. And a lot of people aren't in that world, as you know. So, some of the employees don't really or can't really uh, exist in that, that, that space. But when we started, you know, we had this vision of uh, building a platform that uh, combined planning, optimization, transportation, and execution, as well as visibility. Uh, so we did that for all, we call them buyer types, but, you know, shippers, 3PLs, brokers, carriers, forwarders, right? And we did it across all modes, all geographies, and um, made, making sure that, like, even like parcel, it's such a big part of our industry, you know, we made sure we had that included in the, in, the, in the product. I mean, I came out of IBM where I had built two TMSs before, so I had a lot of uh, uh, history, if you will, and experience, but I knew what I wanted to do, and we wanted to make a a TMS that was, you know, fully configurable where the users could actually change and adapt the systems themselves. So they can write their own rule sets. They can change configs. They can do what they have to do uh, so that as the world changes, I mean, one of the things exciting about our industry, of course, is it's very volatile, very, uh, I would say, dynamic, right? It doesn't stay static much. So, you know, we had an early uh, COVID was a great example. We had a shipper who had um, warehouses were getting depleted because all their brick and mortar stores were closed. 
So they turned to shipping out of their brick-and-mortar stores to fulfill their orders. And, of course, they weren't getting stuff in from overseas, so it really worked out well. And they were basically able to do it in like a week to flip from a whole different model, right? So it's proven pretty valuable to have that ability to adapt. I always like to say it's the last TMS or TMP you have to buy, right? It's amazing to me when I look at the TMS space because there are arguably three – it's a oligopoly of three companies. And I'll just term I'll use – you guys shouldn't use it, uh, but – Ultimately, you have a, at the in terms of brokerage logistics software, you have a you have three major sort of players. You guys are uh, the largest or among the largest in that space. When we think about the role that you play and the, the fact that you provide critical software across all of these organizations, you you grew up and your business scaled at a time when brokerage took on significant market share. I was looking at some data. Brokers were 6% of the freight market in 2000. And Armstrong and Associates through 2018 says they're 18%. You know, we've estimated as high as 25 or 30% during peak COVID peaks. It's probably the mid-20s now. I don't know if you have any. No, I'd say that's all right. I'd say that's about right. But you, you benefited from this massive growth cycle in brokerage. The question that I have, and there's some folks in this room that, are, that launched TMS services and TMS startups. Do you think that you could have replicated the business and the success if you started today? I, I think, I mean, could you? I think you could, but it's, it's a chasing game, right? I mean, we continue to innovate and add new things and keep growing. And we, what we see is a lot of the newer players sort of, they have great functionality and features, don't get me wrong. And there's lots of space out there. Lots of the market's huge. But you know, they don't do the depth and breadth that, that we provide because we have this historical innovation period where we've continued to add more and more products, either through um, acquisition or partnering or, you know, uh, just building it ourselves. So I think it's hard to get into that now just because it's a tighter space. Doesn't mean people can't get in yeah. and do pieces of it really well. But, you know, a lot of our customers... They don't do one of those things. There are multiple of those things. They're brokers and 3PLs. They're you know, shippers, and, and, and actually some of them are shippers and brokers. They're brokering some of their freight. You know, it's an interesting world, right? It's, we talk about these things like they're these pillars or these silos, and they're not, right? They're very, very often, they're very intertwined. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is amazing because I think timing is so much a critical part of a successful business is when you started your journey and the sort of cycles of time. I, I'm convinced that if Freightways were to start today, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be where we're at. It'd be a different journey, and and may not, we may not be able to achieve the success. We've benefited from the same trend, which is brokerage had scaled to a point where now information became valuable. When I look at a number of the startups that are trying to go and disrupt the TMS systems, I think about the time that I was in payments. And there was all these startups that were trying to disrupt the, the core banking software. And oftentimes this stuff was built in COBOL. Like we're talking decades owned. I remember we sold a business to a very large bank. So they were on mainframe computers, this top five bank. And I remember we started talking about, like, could somebody hack into the bank? And they're like, well, mainframe's never been hacked. I don't know if that's true or not. But they claimed that they, did, they that, that was secure because the code was so damn old. And I think about the fact that one of the things that I saw in banking was that core banking software 
There's all these startups spending money trying to attack the core banking software. And these banks had no incentive to change out the core systems because they they affect the disruptions it would cause to do that was so, so distracting and damaging. And I think about the companies that are coming into the space that are trying to disrupt you guys or trying to disrupt others have a real hard journey ahead for them if they think that a company that has a TMS business is going to rip that out. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, and I think it's similar to the banking problem in that, you know, if you look at our functionality, right, we're very broad and deep. So it's really hard unless somebody does a very simple shipping profile, it's hard to get in with simple software, right? I mean, everybody kind of wants simple software, but, you know, if you look at, you know, we have customers that'll do, you know, pick up in one country, move across the entire country, go international, you know, and then deliver in the third country. And, you know, it's like crazy. I mean, it, it's complex stuff and you have to be able to handle all those relationships and be able to communicate to all the parties involved. A lot of the mainframe software, the reason it never gets hacked is it really isn't exposed anywhere, right? I mean, that's the beauty of a lot of it, right? It's it's sort of siloed and locked in somewhere that they can't really get to it. Pre-internet days. Uh, yeah, right. So the cloud-based software, a little more interesting. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. Security is a big deal these days. I mean, we've seen in our industry where people get hacked and they're down for weeks or, you know, days. The SDs yep. got hacked not too long ago. Um it, you know, these seem to be these malware issues seem to be whether they are enormously disruptive in any industry, but in a particularly an asset based business, it's massively disruptive because now you can't communicate to your trucks. You can't talk to the drivers. You can't do a payroll. It's just a very, very destructive sort of uh, experience. What is the state of security in the space? It's, you know, I think certainly for us, I can speak to us. I mean, we're, we're very solid and we make sure our partners are part of the, have to be part of that ethos as well, right? So, you know, we're SOC 2, Type 2, all the stuff you need to do. We grew up this way because you think back to 2000, there was a lot of fear of the internet. I mean, I'd go into these big companies and they wouldn't let their employees couldn't log on the internet. You know, I'd do demos off my Treo phone, right? And, you know, it was like the better connection. Is that trio? Is that the Palm Trio? Yeah, yeah. I had that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my modem, you know, and... I'm doing these demos and it's twice as fast as their internet system is, you know? So, you know, they, they were very, I mean, and some of the big ones insisted on actually hosting our software first. Now, within a couple of years, that all changed and it's all basically in the cloud these days. But, you know, the security, again, part of our growing up was great security and making sure we had that stuff from day one, hard to go back and retro do. And it takes a lot of time. It's a time consuming process. So you, you guys have the advantage of building your technology at a time when, frankly, reputation was a concern, lack of uh, sort of or confidence in the system was a concern. Um, do you th think that the software that's out there that's being built today is built, for the most part, as secure as, as what you would argue your software is? I, I think, I don't think it is. I mean, uh, and just my two cents, I mean... Uh, just because the amount of time it takes to go like SOC 2 type 2 kind of certification. Yeah, we, it's a fun process. Yeah, all the, all the processes you have to have and all those things, it, it's, it's onerous, right? And, it's, and if you're a small startup and you got five people in your company like, like we did at the beginning, it's hard to do that. I mean, you can't take three of your people to go do security <laughs> certification, right? And you get no, 
so we are SOC 2 compliant, which means Oxley comes yep. out of that whole yep. world. There's nothing that slows your business down more than audit processes and, yep. and, and, and frankly, the only thing you get out of it, other than tight security, is that you can sell into enterprises. Without it, it's a gating mechanism. If you don't have SOC 2 compliance, there is a limit on, on how much you can scale into a client because it, it's preventative. Um, it's hard for a startup to prioritize that because it's not a new feature. Right. It, it's not no. important to them. And you don't get paid for that, down right? Market. What's that? You don't really get paid for that. You no. might get business because of it. Well, but... you get business. If you don't have it, you don't get the business. You don't right. get to participate. So it is, it is something that I can see companies do not participate. So what is it from a security standpoint that you observe the companies are getting hacked, their systems are getting hacked? What are they doing? What is that they're doing wrong or what is it they should be doing that would have prevented those issues? Well, most of it's human, right? Most of it's email, you know, somebody was clicking on something in an email that ends up uh, going into their system and, you know, routing through the whole thing, right? Uh, but there's a lot of training that goes into the security aspect, uh, employee training to make sure they're aware of what not to click on, what not to do. I wish I followed a lot of those rules. <laughs> Anyways, I, you know, I, it's so important, though, to make sure that everybody understands that they're the line of defense here, really. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's corporate wide. It's, it's so easy, isn't it? Yeah. You get an email from, you know, my staff will say, Craig reached out to me. We had a, a young lady who joined us. She'd been there a week. And she got text messages she thought were from me. And I told her to go get gift cards at Walgreens or something. And she reported me to HR for harassing her. <laughs> and HR calls and is like, hey, are you, I won't use her name, are you contacting you know, Jane, which is not her name? And I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> when I contacted her on the weekend, yeah. and, and it turned out to be a malware attack, or not a malware, a, a phishing or one of the scams. Yep. Um, you get those in text. You get those yeah. in all kinds of stuff. You know, can you wire money to this account? Yeah. Can you change it? It, it, is, it is all you about it. You need to wire right away, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, our staff can appreciate this. We're a highly visible company, so we get a lot of that. Um, we're pretty good at, at understanding where this comes from. So, Steve, when you think about Mercury Gates' journey, so many things, and, and look, we're going to talk a lot of it today about, so we talked about security, all these scams that are happening, the fraud that's taking place in the, in the industry is obviously very, very prominent and prevalent. Um, what are the areas that you're doing to help your customers, your broker customers, manage all of the, the really nasty activities that are taking place in this space? Well, we integrate with lots of the providers these days that are trying to give uh, more, uh, uh, you know, uh, valuable kind of information about what's going on with the scams, you know, you know whether it's uh, Highway or others. You know, they're doing a good job of trying to identify folks before they become problems. It's not perfect, but we're, we try to integrate with those. You know, we try to help people understand when there's, you know, which carriers are vetted and valid for you to use, right? And, and if something doesn't jive with that vetting, you know, make sure you're notified of it in your workflow. So there's lots of capabilities to help these guys try to identify that. The problem's starting to be these guys are getting really sophisticated, and, you know, they're starting to use AI to do bad things, and they're getting, they're getting past a lot of this stuff. So they stay a little bit ahead of everything. But, you know, I think overall, we're doing a pretty good job of at least providing the tools that the folks need to, to uh, make the right decisions. It is scary that someone can take an AI model, particularly someone as public as I am, 
and, and even people who aren't public, stuff with people on Instagram or Facebook, and you train someone to psychoanalyze this person and their communication style and create a way to replicate them in a, in a virtual world to the point where HR believes I'm the one that's uh, forcing this person to go buy it. But these things, these risks are real. So what's next on Mercury Gates Innovation Pipeline? Well, we're talking about AI. We have lots of uh, AI things going on, right? I mean, some of the ones you hear about or think about in our industry is certainly around ETAs and predicting those better and sharper and, you know, using machine learning to get better, um, better pinpoint kind of uh, delivery things. But, you know, it's interesting when we think of visibility, we think we don't just think of visibility of the package moving. It's visibility of the whole order cycle, if you will, from the time the order drops to the time the settlement gets paid, right? So, you know, providing that type of visibility and understanding that throughput is critical for, certainly for logistics guys, but as I've talked to shippers, they're really interested in it too because, you know, again, Sarbanes-Oxley, they don't realize revenue to that delivery happens and they can actually use it to change how freight actually delivers. So we're looking at lots of things and, of course, then sustainability starting to get a lot more attention in our industry. You know, we saw Uber's announcement with their uh, CO2 stuff. And, you know, it's interesting where that's going as well. So we're seeing almost every RFP that our logistics companies see have some level of sustainability involved in it and not just measuring it, but actually determining carriers based on, you know, CO2 emissions and those type of things. So we're starting to see those types of things evolve. And then from an application perspective, we talked about, or I talked about having you know, we have dynamic rule sets and configurations. And, you know, the problem with all that is we have dynamic rule sets and configuration. So, yeah, they can adapt, but they don't know how to do it. Well, we're working on, you know, predictive and prescriptive things as well as generative things to, like, generate the right dynamic rule sets to do this kind of behavior because based on your model, that's what you need to look at. So, so Steve, when I was growing up, Wired Magazine was super hot. Did you read Wired as well? A little bit, yeah. So they had this section called Wired or Tired, and they would take a concept of a, of a trend to, around technology and say, this is wired, this is hot. And they would take something that had been once hot and is tired. And so I want you to provide sort of a sage level of, sort of, of, of a wired tired on the freight tech uh, industry. What is wired right now? What's hot? And what's tired? Let's do tired first a little bit. Okay. I mean, <laughs> if, you, if you look at, you know, I mean, visibility is still sort of wired, but it, it's losing a bit. I mean, great. I know where freight is. So what? What do I do, right? What action can I take to change anything that's happening? And it's almost more the inflection points are where you can take those type of actions. And combining it with an execution system allows you to do that, right? And Is so that wire? Is the execution system? The execution system then becomes the wired piece of that, right? Like, now I want to take action on these issues, right? I don't want to just know I have an issue. I got to do something. So, so you're so tired being visibility companies. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't want to make it sound software. like you still have to have visibility. But what's tired is that's the answer, right? It's not the answer. That's just telling you what's going on you now you have to flow in into now you have to take action on what's going on so you need the actual action the, the the workflow in the platform to do it yep 
and, um, and all that data that, and visibility. Does that explain some of the changes in the Freight Tech Awards? Like we did our Freight Tech Awards, the top 25, and one of the most disrupted lists I've certainly seen. Uh, and it was interesting just how disrupted it is. Is that this sort of concept of, of what we've seen change in terms of how the, the market's perceiving these things? I think so. I mean, I think you can see it in who was in and out this year, right? Yeah. And, you know, not, again, not saying visibility companies aren't, they're great partners for us, so it's important. <clears throat> but, you know, I think, you know, if you look at some of the ones that came in, certainly highways in there, right? With, yeah. With, uh, I mean, you know, I don't think Jordan could have come up with a better business in the time. The right, the right timing, right? Yeah. That's important. He, he, he certainly, timing is everything in business, uh, as we've discussed. And it's amazing how, how much fraud has been prevalent. You know, he was a triumph, so I'm sure that he was seeing these trends. It was not new to him, but the timing of it is impeccable in terms of creating a solution at that moment in time. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, you know, when you think about the breadth of our solution, right, we, we have 600 customers, 126 countries. We do almost 70 million loads a year with over 90 billion in freight under management. I mean, it's a big company. and That's a lot of freight. And it's all across the board from ocean to air to lots of parcel. And, and you know, it's interesting because you think of things, and we've talked about innovation with some of the indices using those in mm-hmm. contracts and, you know, working on a deal. Hopefully that'll happen. And we have another big announcement coming out next week on something. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. But uh, it's um, there's a lot of great stuff happening. And I think, you know, as, as these things start to come together, um, we're going to see stuff to deal more and more with the dynamic nature of our industry, right? And be able to now provide rates that are valuable to shippers and um, carriers, uh, even even brokers. Yeah, that transparency element, the floating indexing contracts is what you've teased. Yeah. Uh, something we've had a conversation here today. Steve, I could, so many of our people I've had up here, I can continue this conversation for a while. Unfortunately, yep. We are way over time, and it's all my yeah, fault. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So um, appreciate your time. You and, bet. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Look forward see to flying with you again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So see you below, everybody.